two. Okay. We're back, peoples. What's good? This is Big Said, um, the industry co-sign. I have somebody. Well, I know the title says my friends are better than yours, but sometimes I got to play with that because, you know, some people <laughs> are really friends, but when you know people for so long, they think you're friends. So <laughs> he might be finding this out now. But I want to introduce, um, I've known this guy so many years that I actually forgot how we met. But um, he's a comedian. You met at one of your, one of your empty parties at the Grill Village. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. Um, you go table to table shaking hands because nobody else was there. That's how we <laughs> Now I lost train of thought. Um, he, he thinks he's a comedian. Um, you know, right. to get into that, but I'm going to allow him to introduce himself because I know some of you watching right now can't read and you can't probably read his name. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I don't know how we met, but uh, we did meet. <laughs> Uh, good, good people always. I always say gravitate to one another. As much trash as you talk to me online, um, I'm happy to say that I do know you. Uh, you are you you are a gem to this community. Uh, my name Jamie Roberts, comedian, uh, comedy club owner. Uh, we also own a radio station, 108 Soul. I've been doing comedy for over 20 years, uh, and just really business. You know, I've been in the radio business for over 15. Uh, excuse me. 10 years. Um, and, you know, just really business is how I met Mr. Said. Uh, real talk, I think I met you at one of your after work events. And that's how we started talking. But the funny thing I just remembered right now that I think um, when I worked at Black Planet, you actually yep. showed it. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. right. He did a show in the break room. And you wasn't even there, though. You wasn't there for that day. <laughs> You was there? I can't remember. No, I can't remember what no, because it was, you know. We did, we actually, we did two shows there. Um, and we was, they, they had specific regulations of things that we couldn't say. And we broke every rule that we weren't supposed to do. <laughs> and that's why we brought you back, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> we had to do a do-over. But um, it was dope, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Black Planet. We performed in our yeah, staff room, a break room. That's or something right. like that. That was crazy, man. And that's how it really started putting me on to like corporate gigs. I was very young in my in my comedy career back there. And um it, it kind of let me know that there's more money to be made besides just doing night gigs, you know what I mean? And and doing, you know, shows on the road. So like you I'm I think you, when I, your success. What'd you say? So I'm, I'm responsible for your success, is what you're saying. Oh man, come on, cut it out, man. Cut. <laughs> You're not gonna get any royalties off of that. <laughs> Let me give you my public. Let me give you your publisher right now, P. Diddy style. You can have him now. Wow. I don't think we're gonna be going to that topic today. Yeah, so. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, man, me, but that was that yeah, I can't yeah, that was bug. But I want to actually get the 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 seriousness out of the way because it's not gonna be any, but I want mm -hmm. people to make I, I want to make sure that people know. That you own a comedy club, so I want you to talk about that the 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 beginnings and things of that nature. So, like I said, because who knows where this conversation will go, but I definitely want you to get your props as far as you being not only a comedian but a business owner and entrepreneur. Thank you, man. Thank you. So we own my wife and I. She's also a comedian. Her name is Nikki Sunshine. She's funnier than me. Uh, we own Comedy in Harlem, which is yeah. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you funny on Facebook, man. We funny in real life. <laughs> but we owe Comedy in Harlem, which is the only Black-owned comedy club in Harlem. We have another one in Brooklyn where Man Ray DeJean owns. It's called 275 Park. Um, but we own Comedy in Harlem. We opened up in 2021 right after the pandemic hit. And uh, people thought we were crazy for doing it. But, you know, we've been in the game long enough that we understood how to make money in the game. So we decided instead of, you know, just always offering nights, let's create an environment, a community that we can groom younger comedians, give some of the comedians who don't get regular shine on, the, on a regular basis a home. You know, we used to have something like that called Uptown Comedy back in the day, but, you know, that was the institution, you know? I'm talking about, you know, Tracy Morgan. I'm talking about J.P. Smooth, J.B. Smooth, all J.P. Justice, all of them, talent, Capone, all of them, you know what I mean? So Will, all of them used to came, came through there. But we're building something that is 
we believe is going to be the foundation for the future, especially for us, for black and brown comedians, because we don't get the opportunity like other comedians do downtown on a nightly basis. We usually get what they call the nigga night. You know what I mean? So which is Friday night, midnight or Saturday midnight. You know what I mean? And we like to we like to party during daylight hours, too. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like you have to figure out the fair base of how to get our fair shake on the comedy scene. And yeah. by them having, you know, other comedians, when I say other comedians, let's just be point blank. The white comedians, yeah. they have more stage time. They get more stage time. So they get more opportunities to hone their craft. They get more opportunities to be in front of different people. And with that being said, they're getting more opportunities, period. We're not getting those same opportunities. So we decided to open up a club, even out the playing field. It's just one club now. It could be a couple more in the future. But it's to even out the playing field, give our people a chance to shine as well. You know? You did make a good point with the Uptown Comedy Club because, like, you know, me and Tuffy were regulars there as well in the audience mm -hmm. every every week. And to bring that energy back is definitely needed because, like you said, especially with black comedians, like, there's very few options, even in New York, because New York is supposed to be, you know, the mecca of basically everything. But sometimes the opportunities aren't there because, as you say, the other folks are you know, doing what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if we don't have the venues or the places to hone our own skills and show people that we can, or even or even cater to, because a black audience is definitely different than a totally white Totally different, brother. Totally and, different, man. And, and I'm pretty sure and, you, can, you can definitely attest to it. And Oh, man. It's two different yeah. worlds, man. And the, the thing about those set is that we have comedians who come from downtown to come uptown to perform. And some of the funniest comedians will tell you, yo, this is where you really learn if you're funny or not. Exactly. In my kind of, in, in the clubs, you know, in, in, in the black clubs. Cause we'll give it to you raw, right, raw right now. You'll get your review, you'll get your Yelp review right now. You know what I mean? I'm not going home to write it. You're going to get it right now, you know, <laughs> while you're on stage. You know what I mean? So, so it's what you want it or not. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but that's, that's that's what really makes you who you are. You know what I mean? As far as a comedian, because you need that feedback to understand that if it's funny or not, if it's working or not. Downtown, you get a lot of tourists, so half of them don't even speak English. They're just smiling and happy to be there. Oh, hey, hi, yeah. You speak English? No, no. You know what I mean? So you don't really get the full grasp of what your abilities are on stage. Um, yeah. And you know what, Donnell, before Donnell Rollins, before he shot his Netflix, he came to club that Monday and was working out his material, right? And there was a person in the audience who was interrupting him. And he told her straight up, listen, we're not here for you. We're here to work out material. He said, comedians, this is why we don't do these rooms like that often because y'all always in the way. We need to do these rooms because this tells us if we're funny or not. And he said, I wish I could have recorded it, but it was just so off the cuff what he was saying. But it was the realest shit that, you know, someone has said in the club in a long time. And his level, where he's at now, he's torn with the biggest comedian of today. You know what I mean? Working. And he's still in these clubs getting it in because you have to. Yeah. That's the only way you get your, your real feedback. You know, so, but... That, Go ahead. It, it, it is a good thing because, as you stated, because um, even well, you let me ask you a question as far as like um comedians because um I did come up with the like I said the Bill Bellamy's and that that whole crew Hamburg and all of that and I saw that it was a certain like um fraternity so to speak. Does that Correct. still occur? Does that still occur? Yeah. Well, well, with any job industry, there's clicks. You know what I mean? It's still clickish. So with Bill Bellamy, Hamburger, you know, that's the Def Jam, Def Comedy Jam era. Exactly. You know, so, you know, those are the guys we grew up watching and emulating. You know, the Martin Lawrence's. I, you know, I, I, I loved watching Def Comedy Jam because Martin knew how he hosted. And when I host shows, I try to bring that same type of energy. You know what I mean? So hats off. Hamburger's done the room before. Uh, hats off to Hamburger. He's done the club before. Uh, but those guys, you know, they're a little bit older than me, but those are the dudes who paved the way. They were at the Peppermint Lounges. They were at, you know, all the spots that we, we didn't even know existed until we hear these stories, you know? 
So, you know, they were at, you remember Nels? They used to do Nels with Burt yeah. Smooth. Uh, Rob Stapleton used to host it. Drew used to host it. Um, you know, all these different places. Those those guys, Talent, Capone. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, all those smoky. Those guys have been around for some time, so they've earned their spot. And, you know, especially in the New York uh, comedy scene, as, as you know, the, the ones who, who blazed the path for us. That was going to be my next question because, of course, you know, we bo both grew up in New York and I grew up in the Bronx and um, a lot of comedians are from New York. I mean, and it, it even goes back to when Eddie Murphy was doing, you know, stand up and things of that nature where, I mean, as hard as life, well, life isn't really hard today like it was 20, 30 years ago in New York City. But I know like- It's getting back there, though. <laughs> it's going back it is, to that. It, it is. <laughs> you, know you, have, you have the Wayans. There's so many different people that have- um, I guess hone their skills based on their troubled life or based on not being rich and things of that nature. Like, where do you draw your inspiration? I mean, I know you're still poor and I know that you don't have your money, but I'm saying in general, you know, where poor for tax reasons. Go? You got that right. <laughs> you know, so um, like, like, but for you and other comedians, like in this realm today, because now we have the internet, we have so many different mm -hmm. other realms to utilize and function in. Like, what keeps you going, especially in a world where everything is so sensitive, so emotional? Like, you can't say shit anymore. You can't say shit yeah. anymore the way it used to be even 10 years ago. So, how do you cope with it? And how do you see other comedians? going through that cycle so that way they can still be um, viable without being canceled? Well, the thing people thing people forget is that comedians aren't performing for you. We're performing for us, right? Um, so when, we're, when I say that, I mean, we're expressing ourselves, whether you like the point or not. That's why a lot of people say, oh, he shouldn't have said that. Why shouldn't he have said that? Or why shouldn't she have said that? That's how she feels. That's how she or he relates to things. So you're kind of like putting a muzzle on somebody who really needs to speak. Yeah. You know, for me, comedy is really therapy. Every time I hit that stage, that's, ther that's therapeutic for me. I don't have $100 an hour to go pay a, a shrink to go sit on his couch. <laughs> you know what I mean? So comedy is a way of getting expressing yourself. And it's really the truest form of expressing, of expressing yourself because it's just you and the audience. You know, you don't have music lyrics to sing along with. You don't have a band behind you playing. There's no soloist by a guitar. It's you and the audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you look at it like that, uh, what you're saying now becomes more important to what people are thinking. So when you're asking what, what do I draw off of, I draw off of real life, real life experiences. You know, I'm married. I have three kids. Uh, I'm dealing with my mom. My mom has dementia. Uh, these are real things that people can relate to. And if you could find a way to to put it in a, in a humorous way that people can forget their issues and their worries for the time being that you're on stage and you won. You know what I mean? And I've also been able to tell you a little bit more about myself. So now you leave the comedy show knowing a little bit more about me and maybe something that can help you in your life. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the realest comedians and the truest comedians are truth, truth talkers. Truth sayers, you know, they speak their mind. When you start humbling people in any industry, once you start putting up roadblocks that people can't express themselves creative, creatively, then it's not even it's not even true anymore. It's not true to the game. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of, it's 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 ugly because people are sensitive, but it has to it has to go back to the point where your sensitivity does not dictate how I carry myself, how I how I how I express myself. I could be aware of how sensitive you are and still say what I need to say, but I can't I, I can't dictate how you receive the message. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? So and 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 that's the part where they're saying, oh, comedians, you want to cancel this guy. Why? First of all, isn't the only people who can get canceled are people who don't have real fans, right? Because if you have real fans, if you have real a, a real fan base who follow you through thick and thin, they will follow you. Yeah. They don't care what, you know what I mean? They don't care what the other people are saying about you. They're fans. 
And a fa fan is short for fanatic. You know what I mean? When you're a fanatic for something, it doesn't make a difference what else is going on. It's kind of like being a crackhead. You don't care what else is going on. You want to smoke crack, right? You don't care. Your house is on fire. I'm still smoking crack. You know what I mean? Dave Chappelle's performing at 1 o'clock in the morning at Radio City. Sold out. That's the, that's the time it starts. Sold out because he has fans. It's fanatics. They don't care. He could be in Iowa. Where is his house in Ohio? Wyoming. He's doing it in his backyard. Come on, man. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. So the question my point is that when, when you start trying to uh, limit people's creativity, it takes away from the whole craft. And that goes for any industry. You know, if you tell a painter he can't use a certain brush, it's not going to be the same paint. That's true. But let me ask you a question because, um, well, I would usually ask, well, people say that the most successful comedians always have some type of either heartbreak, um, mm -hmm. broken, or something. I mean, you're not a successful comedian, so I can't ask you that question. <laughs> but, <laughs> Why, why do you think? Oh, people, I've been through it, brother. I've been through it. <laughs> you know, no, but seriously, why do you think that 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 is? I mean, the thing is, it might it might be one hundred percent truth. But what I'm saying uh -huh. is, why do people feel as if once you're successful, that you had to be broken in order to become successful, as opposed to having a good life? And you know, I'm gonna use Will Smith as an example because he was a rapper, and because he wasn't in the streets, he he wasn't considered real because he wasn't in the streets. But yet he was a successful rapper. But in comedy, it seems as if you had to come from a broken home. You had to have been raped as a kid. Something, whatever it wow. is, it had to be something. Why? Why do people feel that? Well, I don't. I don't know where that that that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I was raped as a kid. Jesus Christ! <laughs> maybe maybe I should have used that as an example, but. Jesus Christ, yo, you gotta be going through my roller deck. Like, who was right? That's great. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. It, the comedy draws from a dark place. Usually it comes from a dark place, right? And with for me, like I'm most creative. What, what anyone is most creative when they have nothing. When you have nothing, you're trying to get out, you're trying to get something out of it. You gotta be creative. How am I gonna make a dollar out of 15 cents? That's how it comes from, right? That's when you start thinking. Your back is up against the wall. How do I get here? How do I get here? And then that's when you're at your lowest point in life and you have to figure out how do I, what do they say? Pull yourself up from the bootstraps and get back out there, right? So, but with comedy, it's like we, we take tragedy and we turn it into uh, not a confession, but a testimony, testimonial. You get what I mean? So, yeah, people go through things in life but it's how they express it. Like if there's a lot of built up trauma in a lot of people, they just don't know how to release it. They don't know how to, how to get it off their chest. For me, like I just told you, comedy is my therapy. You know what I mean? Like if I don't get on stage in two weeks, you know, I'm like, yo, what is going on? You know, I, I can feel the built up emotion in me because I need to release. It's like you backed up, you know what I mean? You need to get out. So <laughs> you got, you got to release that. But, you know, at the same time, some of the comedians who you're referring to, maybe like a Richard Pryor, you know, uh, you know, he dealt with a lot in his in his past, you know, in, in his earlier years in order to get to the next level. He talked about that and him by him talking about that, that was therapeutic. And he found ways to make it funny. You know, what I mean, he grew up in a whorehouse with his grandmother who lives in those situations and be able to talk about it on the regular. You know what I mean? It's you know, he, he smoked crack and set himself on fire. He found funny in it. You know what I mean? So those are the kind of things that you, you try to draw from. If you talk about someone like a, a, a Bill Cosby, where's the trauma in his life? Sure. You know, no one no one knows the trauma that he went through because yep. he doesn't speak about that. He, his, his, we don't know if he had it or not, that's true. but that's not what he talks about. So it's all about the person, the comedian, how they deal with what they the, the message they're trying to pursue. Like there's some comedians you wouldn't even know they had a wife and kids because they don't talk about it on stage. You know what I mean? That, that so, me I about to that brings me to this, that brings me to this question because of course, like mo most comedians, especially during stand-up, it is about things that they definitely know and experience. 
But mm -hmm. what about there are also comedians that can take other situations and actually make it funny. Like, does that take a special skill? I mean, or is that just something that oh, hell yeah. you learn? It's about writing. I mean, like the imagination. First and foremost, the real shit is what you went through and that people can people could relate to. That's what real comedy is, right? When you start talking about out of space shit, no one wants to talk about, oh yeah, the Martians landed here and you know, that's it. who cares? You know what I mean? You can make it funny, but that ain't, you know, we can't really relate to that. You know what I mean? But um, when you take like situations, for instance, like uh, top topics, right? Like Chris Rock is real good at that. He's, he's good at taking topics and making them funny, hilarious. Yeah. And what he's doing really is he's showing you his third eye, how he sees it. You may have saw it this way, but let me tell you from a comedic lens how I see it. And 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 it's 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 hilariously funny because you didn't think about it like that. Yeah, right? Perspective, yeah. From a different perspective. What is it, observational comedy or something like that? I forgot what it's called, the terminology behind it. Jerry Seinfeld's the same person. He does hold on, my wife is chiming in from the other room. Air hustling, air hustling a, a, a whole interview. Anyway, I already mentioned your name. Get out of here, woman. Jesus Christ, yo. Um, but you know Jerry Seinfeld is the same way. You know attention. what I mean? Huh? I think she wants my attention. Oh, what? Well, get out of here, man. Oh, you, that's why you braided your hair today. All right, I get it now. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> this guy saying, "Yo, she got a sister. Yo, she got a sister." <laughs> Grimey, yo. You know, whenever a dude asks you if your girl got a sister, he really wants to smash your girl. But he's not trying to tell you that. <laughs> he trying to ask, yo, she got a sister? Yeah, she got a sister. She's 450 pounds. She's obese. She got three toes missing. You still want to date her, nigga? <laughs> I ain't going to front. I've done that several times. Like, oh, yo, she, she got a sister? You know. But anyway, let, let, me, let, me, let me bring it back a little because um, you also – Mention your radio station. Why don't we talk about your radio station for a quick second? Because like I said, I want to try to get that in um, as far as... Yeah, yeah. We so. started a radio station, 108 Soul to Soul in New York, which is R&B, classic hip-hop. Um, we started a radio station during the pandemic, 2020. May 2020, we launched. Uh, it was basically... We started... Well, I've been in radio business since, what, 2014, 2015? Around that time, right? So it was basically... Uh, it was to give people an outlet during the pandemic because everywhere you turned, it was tragedy. Everywhere you turned, it was ambulances rolling. Cause we lived in New York. It was, you know, epicenter of, of COVID. So every time you turned on the TV, you had the black guy telling you to go get a shot. Remember that guy? <laughs> he was on every channel, yo, telling you go, go get that shot. Um, but so we, we started a radio station to really hone in on the craft of real music. And we still stay true to that today. It's R&B, classic hip hop. When I say R&B, you know, we have, you know, the biggest station in New York is BLS, uh, listenership wise. You know, no, 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 uh, no shots fired at BLS. They are the heritage station here in New York City. And, you know, I grew up listening to BLS, but it's the same music. You know what I mean? So from we decided to, huh? <laughs> I said from back then too. <laughs> right. The same, you know, and they had a couple songs here and there. Uh, you know, but my point is that we, we decided, yo, we need to do something for us. Yeah. Uh, it's black owned. My wife and I own it. It's iHeart station. Uh, we average about 350,000 listeners a month. We grew it from that. And so what we did was we started playing the music that people forgot about. You know what I mean? The good B-sides of a Luther Vandross, of a Earth, Wind & Fire, of, you know, Candy. All of the stuff that people don't play on the radio. And that's what really was our niche. And then what we did, also what we did, we brought in DJs who are nice, but never got the opportunity to showcase on radio. Because, you know, growing up in New York, there's only but five DJs that we grew up listening to that some of them are still on the air now. Yeah. You know, no shout out to Red Alert, his party's tonight, whatever. But, you know, shout out to Red Alert. You know, he's still on the air now. I grew up listening to Red Alert, fam. You did too. Yes, I How is he still on the radio? Not to say he shouldn't be, but yeah. there's so many other people who have, who deserve a shot as well. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we kind of we kind of created that that avenue for people to express themselves musically on air. As far as DJs are concerned, we gave them their own show. We had billboards running through the subways, 
um, Long Island Railroads, advertising the station. You know, we're part of the West Indian Day Parade every year. We're on the Brooklyn Borough President's float. We provide the music for them. Uh, we've done flyaways. We, you know, last year we went, well, this past summer we went to Grenada. The year before we went to Las Cabos. We went to St. Martin. Next year we're going to Antigua. And we take about 70 to 100 listeners with us every time we go out. Um, so it's, you know, it's a growing thing. And the most rewarding thing about it is I'm able to put my people on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I love to see that. And I, you know, I've known some of these DJs for years yeah. and, you know, every mixed weekend, they may get a shot here, may they get a shot there. You know, that's an hour out of a year. Yeah. You're talking about a year. You know what I mean? You're getting two hours out of the year <laughs> on the station. And I'm like, you nice though. You know, you, why aren't they giving you the opportunity that when it comes down to the gatekeepers and people who don't, you know, who don't want to give people the opportunity to be great? Like my man Mel, Mel Starr says, everybody deserves a chance to be great, right? So, but that's the point of it. It's like if if we don't do for each other, we're never going to get to the next level. You know, they always talk about the crab in the barrel mentality. That's old business, man. We've been reaching out, especially after situations with Black Lives Matter, you know, empowering black businesses, uh, you know, each one teach one. You know, I graduated from Hampton University, so it's instilled in me to reach back and help people. You know what I mean? It's instilled in me to help our people, no matter at what cause, you know, by any means necessary. I'm more Malcolm than Martin. I tell people that all the time. So if I need to help my brother, I'm going to help you. If I need to help my sister, I'm going to help you. If I can help you, I'm going to let you know I can help you. So there's no, you know, no mismanagement of expectations. You know, I don't want you to be misled in any way. If I could, I think I even asked you said to get on on, on the station. But yeah. it's like, you know, it, you have to understand the commitment to it as well. Like we've had people who started and stopped, you know what I mean? And they didn't believe in it. But at the same time, I know the world opened back up. So you got gigs here, you got gigs there. So you got to do what you got to do. Make your money. I'm not mad at you. But at the same time, you have to understand that this is a base. This is home base. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like you playing tag, you always run back to home base because you know it's safe. If you don't come back to home base, you're just out in these streets now, fam. I can't help you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't help you. You should go low. Well, that's what like you said. Even when you offered that that opportunity, like um, I, I'm one of those honest people where if I know I'm not going to keep it up, then I don't want to waste somebody else's time because right. And I appreciate that. And will do it, e- probably even better, or have the dedication necessary because, like you said, there are some people that are not given that opportunity. So it'll be unfair to take that opportunity from somebody who wants that opportunity as opposed to just giving it to somebody. So, and I do correct that you did that, that you did reach ah reach out. To me for that opportunity, and yeah, no doubt, man. And and when we was when I was building the team, because it you know, <clears throat> it comes down to a point where, you know, we're at an age right now, fam. We don't have to work with people we don't want to work with, right? In your twenties and your thirties, you were forced into a cubicle, and you hated the guy who was on the other side of the cubicle, or the woman who was talking too much in her cube, and you had to go through it because that was life. You know what I mean? That was life. That was your job. We're at an age now that we can dictate who and when we work and who we work for and who we want to work with. So if I'm able to build a team, I'm going to build a team with people who I know, who I trust, yeah. and I know can get the job done, right? Nobody goes, it's just like the NBA draft. You don't go and draft the worst player that was in the draft. You, you, you draft the people you know can get the job done, who you trust. That's why there's tryouts. That's why there's interviews. But this old, there's also this certain thing of I know these people, yeah. you know what I mean, and I know these people have never gotten an opportunity. If I can give them an opportunity to shine and go on and do great things, then go ahead. You know what I mean. I always say one away soul is not. This is a start. It may be a starting place for some folks, but it should be a springboard to get you to the next level. Because you don't make your money being on the radio. You get your money because you're on the radio. If that exactly. makes sense to you. Exactly. You know what I mean. It's people not like are- oh. You know, those those other endorsements don't come unless you're on the radio. That's a, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, and then that's when the real money comes. Yeah, because you could be the nicest, but if nobody knows it, then who's Nobody gonna knows it. You ain't going to get no money. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> Is there anything else that you, um, 
outside of the comedy and the radio, is there anything else that you want to do or that you're doing as an entrepreneur? Well, <clears throat> well, this is this is fairly new. And I, and I was joking about Puff earlier, but we're actually starting a, radio, uh, a record label for the comedy club. Um, and that's really because I'm teaching now classes uh, to comedians on how to gain more streams of income, not just comedy on stage, not just stand up comedy. Because if you're going to be a comedian, you have to under, you have to understand what's your end game. Right. So back in the day, they used to put out comedy albums. Yeah, people are still eating off those royalties from comedy albums, and comedians don't get that point. They don't get that understanding that once you record something and you put it into the world, you get your royalties or your residuals off of it. Every quarter of sound sound exchange, you get a you know you get a check. Yeah, they don't they don't understand that part. They don't understand the part of um, you working to get to the next. Hold on, yes, sir. Huh? Both. I don't want to talk to okay. her. Okay, cool. Yeah, she's she's just come, <clears throat> she comes in and just butts in whenever she wants. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm standing on business. Come on, man. Jeez. You see what I deal with, man? <laughs> but we're teaching classes now, right? <laughs> Yo, man. We're teaching classes now to teach to educate comedians on the business side of comedy. Yeah. And that's important. It doesn't even make a difference anymore how funny you are if you're the funniest person in the bunch. It's about how you can market yourself and how you get to the next level, business-wise. Yeah. And a lot of comedians don't understand that. A lot of comedians don't even have their own website. A lot of comedians don't even have a business card. You know what I mean? So if you're going into these meetings and you're like, yeah, what's your number, whatever, and you're pulling out your phone, a lot of people don't even understand. It's digital. You can have a digital card right on your phone. I have that. You know what I mean? Yep. So, but they don't get it. It's it's like the thought process is like, I'm just going to keep doing shows and hopefully somebody picks me up and, you know, I'll get funny one day. But even if somebody picks you up, you still should learn the business side of it because you're going to end up getting jerked. So the thing that we're working on now is Comedy in Harlem, the record label, which also manages comedians. So, you know, we have a production house, but we're shooting specials. Um, we have a show that's going to be aired on Tubi called No Headliners, which features all the up and coming comedians who have who are not headlined any comedy clubs in you know in the nation. They're funny, yeah. but you just don't know them yet. You know what I mean? Um, and we're doing it all in Harlem. It's coming, everything's coming straight out of comedy in Harlem. It's a podcast network up there. It's a production network. It's it's everything that we need to do for each other. It's underneath one house. And, and the beauty of it said is that we, you know, we have the venue. That's always the hardest part. When you're shooting specials, when you're recording anything, it's always you got to get a venue. And they give you the venue on a Tuesday at 5 p.m. Or, you know what I mean? It's always some odd night. We can pick and choose when we want to do our, our, our events. We can pick and choose when we want to shoot our specials. We can pick and choose when we want to record our specials, our, our soundtracks. And, you know, that empowers us to make bigger moves on a larger scale. And you don't have that limitation of having to find a place or find right. a time. So Right. It's us. We decide. Um, and, you know, people are coming to us now to shoot their specials, to use our location to do their podcast. Um, and it's a beautiful thing because, you know, everywhere else they go, they're getting a no. Yeah. You know, they're getting the no, we can't do that. And then you come to us like, yeah, this is what this is what we can do. Let's start the conversation with how can we help you rather than what's going on? What do you need? You know what I mean? When people come in a room and they ask you, How can you how can I help you? That just opens up the door to a thousand questions. Oh, you don't want something from me? You want to help me? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it and it's like that type of mentality will get you to the next level. Because if I help you said, you know what I mean. It may be one day in your in your world that you can help somebody else just because I helped you. You know what I mean? And Same it just goal. trickles down. But when you're in the mentality, oh, I'm going to help you because I know one day you're going to get to level. You're going to have to help me. That's the, that's completely, completely yeah. the wrong attitude and energy that you need around you. I only work off of good energy, family. Yeah, I don't care how much money you got. If your energy is horrible, I don't, I don't want to work with you. 
Yeah. I don't want to work with you because I'm not going to sleep good at night. I'm not yeah. going to sleep good now. And, and, and that's probably why I'm so broke because I, I've walked away from many things where I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't, it, doesn't feel, it doesn't feel comfortable in my heart. And it's like, if, if it can't still, happen, you know, it's not going to happen. But, you know, you but, know, you still collected from the grill village somehow, somewhere. Every time somebody buys a, a rum punch, you still get a percentage of it or something. I was at the grill village like two weeks ago. So, you know, I you was, was over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, that used to be the spot, yo. Yeah, people trying to get me to come out of retirement. I'm like, I'm not doing parties anymore. But I know I'm going to end up doing something, but not on a weekly basis because it takes a lot. Nah, of you need to do like a day party. Because we don't do night parties like that no more, man. We had a certain age where you get in and get it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless it's like an after party to a concert. But even um, when I was doing it, it was after work. It was still early. Right, you right, know, so right. We, we got to go earlier now. It's like, you know, wake up, hey, go to a party, then we can do it. <laughs> right. I think you did an industry co-sign reunion party, you know what I mean? You know, hosted by whoever, because you know everybody. Um, you know all the 90s rappers who don't have hits no more. You know all of them. Um, <laughs> and they know me. <laughs> and they know you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey go, yeah. it goes the same way with comedians, too. I, I know yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I was just telling people that, that it's like... Um, I grew up watching certain comedians, and now they're asking me for spots at my club, which is, uh, you know, mind blowing to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that just shows you, you know, always, always remain humble in this world because you never know where you're going to end up. Um, and don't burn bridges. I mean, like it's business. Never, never make it emotional. That's, it's that's business. Never make it emotional, people man. People need to learn because I've seen some people throw lighters and matches and. <laughs> <laughs> and couldn't come back. So I'm like, Woo. can't come back. You know, you got to humble yourself when you come back. And now we really know how you feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the opportunities aren't, aren't as abundant as it used to be because you really you showed your hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? But again, if you really feel that way, then don't work with the person. Yep. Don't work with them. That's just plain and simple. We're at a point now you don't have to work with that person anymore. I if just, you don't, you know, I do also, I, I, based on my experience, I do know that. Everybody can get a second chance. It's a matter of yeah. whether it's given to them or whether they can take advantage of it because people love a comeback story. Yeah, man. Yeah. Some of these people second chances. Some of these people the second chances are always are always a great, you know, great story. You know what I mean? It's they're better it's, stories. I got I got you see what you've done with yourself now. You've yeah. learned your lesson, and this is what I've grown. This is how I've grown, right? Yeah. Uh and that that's true, man. And that goes back to, you know, you're talking about comedians and how they they pull from a dark place. You know, they're coming back. It's a second chance. It's a second opportunity to right the wrong um, in their lives. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to tell you right now, like, when I was broke, I mean, broke. I mean, like, $20 in the bank broke, yeah, no place yesterday? to sleep. <laughs> that was three days ago, right? So I'm, I'm just, just close to my heart. Right? Before I hit the number. But, God, it's horrible, man. But listen, man, that's when I got the most creative. Man. Jesus Christ. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. You want to get on stage, man? You you, you still yeah, auditioning to get on stage. Yeah, that, that, that's a hard job. I can't be a comedian. That's a hard job. So but go ahead. But um, but what I'm saying is that like those are the those are the things that those are the days that really uh, ground you. It keeps you grounded and lets you know that, you know, I can, I, I, I can do this. I can do this. You have to really be able. Uh, some people just go crazy and shoot up the mall. You know what I mean? But you have to be able to really gather your thoughts in that time of loneliness, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, you have to really understand where you are in life and how to get, how to move forward. Because if you don't, you're gonna be stuck in a rut for a long time. Long time. A long time, man. And I always, you know, you ever see a homeless person like you? You want to how they how did they get like that? What happened? You know, how did this happen? How did this become you? Right? And it's always a story. Sometimes you hear about like an NBA star or a football star, and now they're living out of their their car or something like that. And you always wonder like, how did it become you? How did that happen to you? And my only thought process is that they weren't able to gather themselves to reflect on what they had. And figure out how to get back to it. Yeah. Or it was too overwhelming for them to think I lost millions of dollars, so I'm just going to be a loser. Yeah. 
No, people know who you are. You lost millions of dollars. So that means someone trusted you enough to give you millions of dollars. Exactly. Right? So figure out how to get that trust again. It may not be millions of dollars right away, but figure out, figure it, you got to figure it out. Yeah. My kids always tell me, I always, I always say that to them. They always say, figure, I'll figure it out. Cause that, and that's what I normally do. I normally figure it out. That's what I got to do. If well, I don't figure it out, we're going to be homeless. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, um, people can definitely shift because, you know, circumstances haven't worked as, as well. And I can give you some good examples. Cam and Mace, they're doing extremely well with their, their I love that's the only podcast I actually look, look like listen to and watch from beginning to end. Look at D wow. Nice. I mean, like Kwame. There's so many people that that have done good in their careers, but hit either hit a stop or the or it went in a different direction. But then they were able to say, okay, you know what? Let me do this. And all of a sudden it takes off. So I definitely give right. those type of people where you know, they didn't have to be in a losing situation or has lost something. It's just a matter of the change of tide. And the, the problem with comedians, athletes, rappers, singers, is that once they're in the lane, they don't know how to get out of it once it starts to shift. And that's the reason Correct. why they become stuck in that rut. Whereas you have the Correct. other people that's like, okay, you know what? The internet's popping now. Let me do something that's internet-based. Let me do this. And, and like I said, there's so many different examples where – I definitely applaud them because people write people, people are quick, especially in the black community. People are quick to write people off, specifically, mm -hmm. you know, just like um, I forgot the actor's name that was on the Cosby show when he was working. Yeah, the guy was bagging, he was bagging up groceries, right? Yeah, and they look at him like this is that and the other, and that turned around, and all of a sudden he's back acting again, doing better than he was doing before. So I always right. tell people that, you know, one, never count people out. Two, it's always, I think it's always either circumstantial or situational because there's opportunities that can be done. I know, I know this, me specifically, there have been things that I, I should have done, but if I had done it, would I have been able to come back from it? Because I've seen people fail and never come back. I don't want to mm. fail. I'd rather stay on the same level and never arise than to actually fall. And I see so many people that, that have fallen because of the egos, the mindset, or because they just didn't want to do it. But I don't want to stare off topic. But like I said, I was just making that point as far as when people take advantage of their second chances. Because I know that people can get second chances and know what to do the second time because of whatever they did previously, they know they were able to do it. And then they did something different. So I definitely give my right. problem. <clears throat> yeah, but with Cam and Mace, they understood where it was going. You know what I mean? There's still two polarizing figures in hip hop, right? Uh, and they understood that podcast was making money. Look at you know, my, my man Joe Button, right? Yeah. So it's like they have within, first of all, they have chemistry because they've known each other since kids. Yeah, but what, yeah, it's natural energy. But what they also understand is that they have stories. They yeah. have information that we are not privy to because we weren't on tour with them. They, we weren't in the studio with them. And they're interesting figures. You know what I mean? They're and interesting the enough. That, the fact that they're doing sports when they're known as rappers and they right. know what they're talking about is what makes it great. Joe Budden is another example. A rapper, some would say that he's a one-hit wonder because, you know, of, of, of the songs that he did. But then he reinvented himself, and now he's, like, one of the biggest – I think he's the biggest podcaster in hip-hop as far as numbers. Okay. Boring as hell sometimes because it's, like, a seven-hour show. But – <laughs> Taking that back, but um, <laughs> but um, like I said, I, I just like the fact that there are people that have like picked up something else and made it work for them when they were yeah something. Even Mike Tyson, yeah. even Mike yeah. Tyson, cannabis, like, right? I I just love you know he's in the cannabis business and he was a boxer and he had his own podcast, so it's like he has his own podcast. Yeah, he might not be involved in sports like that anymore, but there's other industries that he's you know entered in that he's a success in. Even Al Harrington. Well, well, yeah, Al Harrington has the cannabis as well. Yeah, but exactly. the other thing is, the, the thing about, you see, the names that you're naming are people who who we know and we can relate to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, especially New Yorkers with Cam and Mace. But Mike yeah. Tyson is just a, a global figure. You know what I mean? So people want to hear Mike talk because Mike, Mike has stories and he has interesting and he's strong on his words. You know what I mean? He has strong opinions. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so, you, you know, it, it comes down to as well, you know, you, you have to understand who are making who are making these decisions and these pivots in their career. Uh, yeah. But that's one of the things that we teach is about having multiple streams of income as a comedian, because you can get stuck in a rut. You know, so what 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 happens when they're not calling you anymore to perform? What happens when you hit 60? Do you have any kind of retirement set up anything or are you just going to still do shows? until you can't walk anymore because yeah. i've seen that happen yeah you know what i mean i've seen people get on stage with illnesses and ailments and they still have to do it because they gotta they gotta eat you know yeah. what i mean or whatever the case may be that's true yeah that's they don't have they don't they don't have an exit they don't have a game plan in place and it's like you know royalty checks only come once in the blue so what are you doing what are you doing people don't even understand that like it's, oh, Jamie, you you know, um, you must be making mad money off the comedy club. The comedy club is a whole business. Yeah, I can't I can't go in and just take money out the cash register. That's not how it works. You know, what I mean, I'm robbing. If I do that, in most businesses, you know, that's, how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. You know, what I mean? that's not how it works. You know, so but people believe that. Oh man, you had sold that show. You must be going home. No, that money's the, that's that's the club's money. You know what I mean? I can't do that. We're going to the strip club after this, you know, but it's like the thought process is people don't people. What we, what what we want to, what we want people to understand is that you have to treat yourself as a business. When you're a comedian, with your entertainer, that's why all these guys get caught up in taxes because they're making all this money. They don't understand there's a business side of it. Uncle Sam knows you're making this money. Somebody's reporting that you're making this money, unless you're doing everything cash, hand in hand, but then, you know, how are you going to buy a house with that? Exactly. You know what I mean? How are you, how are you going to get any finance? How are you going to get an apartment with just cash? You can't even do that anymore. So, you know, it's just certain things that you have to learn to set yourself up to win in the long run. And we've been doing things so ass backwards for so long. It's just become the norm. Yeah. And, and you have to get out of that because, you know, as you can see, financial literacy is very huge in our community right now. And if we're not, teaching it to our own folks or learning or watching YouTube videos. If I know it and I know you're sitting right across from me and you're ignorant to it and I don't tell you, shame on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it keeps the community. Shame on me. Yeah. If I got a steak in front of me and you eating peanut butter and jelly and you're saying, yo, how'd you get the steak? And I ain't saying that. I'm just, I got my head down, just eating. Shame on me. You know what I mean? It might be shame so, on me at one of those points because I might be too hungry. So, no. <laughs> well, still, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let me tell you after I finish this steak. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. You know what I mean? So, but, you know, that's the thought process, man. And, and you know, that's what we're building in Harlem. I love to say we in Harlem, man. Harlem, USA. I'm from Long Island. I'm from Amityville, Long Island. And Harlem has welcomed me with open arms. And by that, I mean guns. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but I, I mean, no, nah, really. They've adopted me uh, and all my folks up in Harlem, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I was Harlem was my second home. I'm from the Bronx, but I lived in Harlem for eight years before I moved to. And I ain't gonna mention where I moved to because I tell people I'm still from the Bronx. But anyway, you know. <laughs> you, you you bought one of those Pocono houses. <laughs> I, I I hooked up with um what, what's that guy with DJ MVs on partner? Oh no no no! <laughs> <laughs> this message was self destructed. Three two. <laughs> They were killing him, man. You know, Evie went to Hampton, too. So he was down at homecoming. They were killing him at homecoming, yo. Oh, man. It's nothing but love, though, man. Hope he gets out of that situation. That's an ugly situation to be a part of, man. Listen, I keep my hands clean, so I'm, I'm good to go wherever I want to go. So I, I work. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but no um, doubt. I appreciate you, like, definitely coming on board. Um, is there anything else that you like anybody to know about, or you have any upcoming shows, or anything that you want the the audience to know in general? Uh, just cause keep supporting us, man. We've we've been able to get a lot of traction, PR work. Uh, we've been able to where, get where you know showcase. Where can I go? Oh, comedyinharlem.com. Comedyinharlem.com. That is, you know, for the radio station is one away soul.com. That's one zero eight s o u l dot com. So, you know, those are the those are the key key components to what we do every day. Every day we're in there. 
What about so coming on? We got some big shows coming up. We got Call Payne coming up. We have uh from we went to high school. Cole. We went to high school together. Yeah, he's from Manhattan. Let me know when he comes up because we he's from Polo Grounds. Yeah, we literally hung out in high school. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking to him the other day. He said it's going to be like a welcome home type party for him. I definitely need to be there. Yeah, I'll send you the invite, man. You know you're good to come in. Just let me know how many you come with. I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going for you, but you know, we, me and him are cool. Nah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run your name past to make sure you're good to get on the list. You know, yeah. he, it's just because he signed your yearbook. That don't mean you guys hung out together. <laughs> we, got, we got pictures together. That, that don't mean story. nothing either. <laughs> no, but that, but that's funny because this is you why got I pictures. Hate. He look at the other way. Listen, this is, this is why I hate Instagram and social media. Because people take pictures with celebrities and act as if they're actual friends. And I'm like, right, that right. doesn't impress me. Two, right. It's like, you could take a picture with anybody. That doesn't mean anything. That's why I Yeah, I remember you took a picture at a wedding. Yeah, I remember you took a picture at a wedding pretending <laughs> to be there, knowing you were the wait staff. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, stuff. <laughs> but, um... This yeah. has been fun, man. I appreciate you, Seth. Yeah, Thank I, you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah, so oh, th is that physical adjust? Because you do shows at the club, right? Yeah, yeah. We're located on the east east side of Harlem, five hundred eight East One Seventeenth Street, right over there by the uh, the Costco Shopping Center. Yeah. So five hundred eight East One Seventeenth Street, right below Pleasant Avenue. We're right off the FDR Drive. So um, yeah, man. It's it's a great it's a great location. There's there's parking. If you drive, there's a parking garage right next to the club. It's only $6 an hour. You won't pay no more than $18 an hour. I mean, $18 for the day. Um, you know, we get our food. Our food is catered by Lighthouse Restaurant, which is one of the biggest seafood, soul food restaurants in, in New York City. Uh, so we're working, man. And they're, all, they're also a black-owned business. So one hand washes the other. They both wash the face. Definitely. Except yours hasn't been. Never mind. So ah, thanks, thanks once again. For, get your hair braided. Now you're cute. I hear you, man. All right. <laughs> I, mean, I got to be appreciate you, man. <laughs> Tell you what. I hear you, man. Later. Anyway. Um, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jamie Roberts, thanks once again. Um, my friends are better than yours, but he's not really my friend. So it's just the title of the show. And um, <laughs> once again, check him out. Um, Comedy in Harlem. That's right. Uh, Comedyharlem.com. And like I said, until the next time, everybody take it easy. You know, if you're in the New York area, definitely swing by. And, um, you know, once again, big set, Dennis Rico sign. Until next time, peace. 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 There we go. Wait, did it go? Oh, it's still recording. No. Why is it still recording? I don't know why it's not supposed to do this. Sorry, people. All right. Peace, peoples.